Beast Wars. We're back for more. Beast Machines is next, it's true. What else were we gonna do? Welcome to Warren Beast, the podcast that when it's not in whiny emo teen mode, it's in survivor goat mode. I'm Greg. I'm Jordan. I thought you said goat for a second there. <laughs> no. I I am neither the Transformers novice that I once was, nor the thing that Lady K. Hirsch has made me. <laughs> I'm something else. Anyway, I'm Kendall. And this week we are reviewing reviewing season one, episode ten, Survivor. Uh, for those who are realizing that we are one that we are missing a, a member of the group, yes, Emily is off this week. Uh, she has some real life stuff come up. We hope she's doing okay, but we shall plug away and 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 move on, and hopefully she she shall be back next week. So, so yeah. Uh, Kendall, what do we have for, are, are you doing IMDb or are you doing this week in history? <laughs> well, there's nothing in IMDb. I'm ch- I'm still going to check IMDb just so that the pop, just so that the theme song is not a lie. Uh, <laughs> but, um, on uh, Saturday, November 27th, 1999, uh, smooth by Santana is still number one. Uh, geez, that's been going for a while. I think it's, huh. been, I think it's just been two weeks. <laughs> I definitely remember it was from last week. I didn't. Yeah, I think I think it was just. Yeah, I think it was just these last. Because before that, it was uh, something else. I forget, I think it was a Mariah Carey song. Anyway, yeah, smooth. Um, uh, Sleepy Hollows in theaters. I was very excited to see that uh, popular video game Army Men Sarge's Heroes. You guys remember that game? I do was remember it? that game. Yeah, that was that. That was a Toy Story tie-in, wasn't it? I don't think it was a Toy Story tie-in, but it was the- really because I thought the the Sarge's men thing was a reference to the Sarge army men toy in in a uh, Toy Story. Mm. Like that's what that was the game, right? It was like little army men actually risk. Yeah, it was army men, but I think it was just like a a spinoff of just army men. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I'm gonna oh. check that just to see. Let's let's uh, see what Wikipedia has to say. Um, this is what happens when we don't have things on IMDb. Part of the Army Men video game based on the plastic toy soldiers, preceded by Army Men 3D, and succeeded by Army Men Sarge's Hero 2. Yeah, nothing about nothing about ah, Toy okay. Story. Although I could see how a child of the 90s could yeah. play it and and see the connection because yeah, there is a character who is an ar- a green army man named Sarge in Toy Story. So I could see how you could make that connection. But yeah, it is not a Toy Story tie-in. Does not have the license. Okay. Uh, but uh I I just remember playing that. It was like one of those first uh one of the first kind of like I mean it's a shooter game for like little kids, but it was it was the first like kind of like how Halo is like you go around like a like a an area and you shoot the other guy or you try to capture their flag or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um 
Uh, I just, I, I do remember that. I didn't, I wasn't particularly fond of the game, but I just, it was neat to remember. And then, uh, fact from this day in history, uh, the WTO protests, uh, blocked delegates entrance to W WTO meetings in Seattle, Washington. So that's, that's a thing. And, uh, and, um, probably those protesters weren't very happy that the ExxonMobil merger was completed, forming the largest corporation in the world. Mm. So, yeah. So that's uh, put yourself in the 90s of 99. I think I'd rather not. No. 99 wasn't a great year. I Not for teenage me. <laughs> Never got to party like it was that either. Yeah. I wasn't much of a partier, actually. I know shocking as that sounds to anybody who listens. I guess to the I guess show. math makes sense that you would be a teenager, but like I was, I turned twelve in nineteen ninety nine. So like I have, so it was like I was just on the cusp there. So the idea of being a teenager in nineteen ninety nine, it was, would have been like a completely different world. Uh, but no, I mean I think yeah, maybe it was. I don't know. I feel like you know the economy was good. Um, you know, uh, I mean, sure, the world was going to end in about in thirty three days, but or thirty four oh, yeah. days. But other than other than that, we you know, I still remember that whole Y two K thing. Yeah, I think we talked about that on the episode that you were not on, Greg. <laughs> yeah, um, yep. You guys did talk about that, and I was when I was editing and I listened to it. I was like, God damn it! I can't believe I missed this. <laughs> Ah, fun stuff, fun stuff. Yeah. All right, what does the TF Wiki say about this episode, Jordan? Okay, so they mention a couple of continuity errors where it's said, and some of them are small, some of them whatever. But anyways, it says that uh, when chasing after the escape ice cream, Frost uses his transformation code Accelerate instead of his usual Overdrive. Uh, let's oh, see. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I heard that, and I was thinking to myself, why does that sound weird? And I just sort of shrugged it off. I was like, eh. <laughs> Uh, Cheetor telling Black Arachne to take Thrust out is odd, considering they've already established V-Cons contain maximal smarks, and Cheetor's pledged not to hurt Rhinox's tank core. I was just thinking that he meant take out as, like, you know, make him non-combatible, but who knows. Yeah. Uh, and it says, we get a lot of backstory about Nice Cream's survival, but it's not really clear why scanning a new beast form protected him from the virus. Rhinox, yeah, that was the thing I never <laughs> understood either. Like Rhinox, for instance, possessed a similar organic beast mode, but he was paralyzed nonetheless. It might be that Night Scream was so deep down that the virus couldn't reach him, or the Cybertronian nature of the beast mode was somehow more resilient to its effects. Well, I mean, I mean, Rhinox. I assume that that the that the Viacons got got snatched by Megatron, and Megatron did something to them, or something. Like, like I I feel like they probably they probably whatever happened to them was different from uh from what happened to the rest of the Cybertronians. Um and I mean it does make sense. I mean it makes sense to me that yeah, he was able to you know, he was the one person who was able who was in the exact right spot to scan a thing. I mean, because the rest of the Maximals, the rest of the Maximals, that is what saved them was their beast modes, is what saved them from the the thing. From yeah, but they had upgraded beast modes. Well, they Oh, well, the thing that saved well, him, the thing that saved the say that like short termishness, the thing that saved Night Scream was the tree. That's like that's true. what that's what kept tree him going. Was helping him too. That's what kept him going. But I think that the the initial like not getting killed by the virus in like instantly like everybody else was because he had a beast mode. Is sort of my well. I do like what it, like it mentions that Cybertronian nature, like the fact that. 
I mean, this is a different planet, so maybe animals from Cybertron weren't considered part of the virus. Maybe the virus was specifically table, tailored to attack organics from Earth. And considering the long history that Cybertronians have with Earth, it wouldn't be surprise. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they had a couple of things matching up for it on DNA. But it wasn't. So, I mean, it wasn't attacking the. It wasn't attacking human. the organic side. It was attacking the not or. Oh, I guess hmm. the virus was attacking the organic side. Well, then why did everybody else? But it also killed all the. But it also killed all the it sparks. Also, like yeah, like or whatever. It also, it also incapacitated Cybertronians. Hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, the fact that, I mean, I, the, the only way that it makes sense, and it's fine if it doesn't make sense. The only way that it makes sense, I think, is, is the, or the intention is that everybody was protected by their beast modes. Whether that was, whether that was instant. Also, we don't understand why they had their season one, or did we? Yeah, the, the, the implication is that the virus devolved them. Oh, it devolved them. Okay. Yeah. So that basically, Basically, like the transmittal, transmittal two characters, kind of. I guess you could say that they lasted longer than Rhinox and and Silver and Silverbolt because they never really got an upgrade to their bodies. They were just mm. that was their forms when they were hit with the the things. So at least that's what's been kind of discussed or hinted at. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the yeah the fact that they had never gotten upgraded um, might have might have uh, might have done some i mean that's the only way that it makes sense for for it to have affected that i mean unless it was again unless it was megatron specifically targeted certain ones yeah okay i think i see why it's confusing yes <laughs> um but that's okay i i mean honestly with this kind of thing i would rather it be confusing and convoluted than to have a specific answer for every little thing the way mm. and and have them spend you know, like the second two seasons of Beast Wars on it. <laughs> I was I was just going to say, if it's not convoluted and confusing, how is it not sci-fi? How can it be sci-fi? But yeah, <laughs> I mean, I just I think that I, I would mu- I much I, I find these kinds of things uh, much more interesting if they if they leave some because obviously we don't know everything yet and we yeah. probably will never know everything. Mm-hmm. And whether Marv Wolfman knew everything when he designed it or whether these writers have a an actual plan for every single an answer to every single question isn't as as you know that's the answers aren't as interesting as the questions so mm. i'm like totally yeah. i'm totally okay with with just kind of going with the flow there is one thing that i always thought about uh when we were first introduced to night scream when the other maximals ate the fruit from the tree they sort of started becoming more primitive Yet we never really saw that from Night Scream. That's true, but it, it's also kind of hard to tell because they were in techno-organic fused forms at that point. Mm. While Night Scream, when he was, because before that he his he was stuck true. in beast mode. Yeah. And as we said before, the beast mode is kind of like a living organic shell over the robot. I mean, it still has organic functions and stuff like that, but basically yeah. the beast form is more organic compared to when they are a robot, which is supposed to be all, you know, in the in Cybertronian form, which is supposed to be all techn- technological. Yeah, true Al- enough. Also, I mean, I mean, he is it, it, uh, you could say that he is a a I mean, they established in this episode that he is not just a bat, he is a giant Cybertronian bat. Yeah, that's true yeah. too. So, I mean, He's he's specifically. I mean, yeah, if we went we to them, it could have just been using the Earth Gorilla 
and and stuff from Earth, you know, like the Earth DNA that they had, and not right. and not Cybertronian one. Yeah. yeah, you know, if we go to Mars and go to eat a fruit there, then it might be bad for us. Mm, true enough. It tastes like burning. Um, <laughs> so it also mentions that many of the fossils in the episode are rather obviously recycled from Beast Wars Part 1, leading to the strange implication that there were dinosaurs and other Earth creatures running around on prehistoric, prehistoric Cybertron. Mm. Wait. And then finally... The, hmm? you're, they're saying that, that the... That the the object that they're recycled from Beast Wars Part One, meaning that they were using. I don't think that's true. They they would not have been using the same models from f- four years ago or whatever. Like the show looks completely different than than Beast Wars did. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. I, yeah, because I, that scene was very short, and I didn't take a very close look at it. Yeah, same here. I would not. I would not be surprised if they at the. Not so much as recycled, but used basically the same idea. Like, so whatever, because there was only, um, let's see, I'd say like they only did three, they only used three fossils in Beast Wars for Pterosaur, Dinobot, and Megatron. Yeah. So like, like I was saying, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they even didn't reuse the model so much as like, okay, we know these, we made these before, let's make them something similar and kind of like made a new using new the new stuff basically just remade them and put them in there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I don't think I mean they definitely there's definitely a T-Rex. I'm I'm Yeah. Uh Optimus keeps us talking. I'm pulling up that scene now. But <laughs> uh like I just I don't I have a hard time believing that it was the same. So and then the final continuity error mentioned is how do you get DNA from fossils anyway? Well, see, if you just get enough bones and grind it up, you'll have enough eventually. Mm. Look, okay, that was that what was originally in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Well, no, I thought Jurassic Park they no no in the like... in the books they used a combination. Uh, the oh. one like they were going over they were going over like the reasons why InGen was buying all of all this stuff. And there was like, well, maybe he's looking for dinosaur DNA. He's like, but you know how many bones he would have to crush to do, you know, like or something mm. like that or or that. And then they also realized the Amber Way was another way that they could do it. And so the movie went with the Amber Wave. Yeah. I mean, the the picture, the the scene, the scene with the T-Rex, because it's basically I mean, you see the you see the um the bat skeleton, which has at least a different skull than a pterodactyl skeleton. And then. But I remember the the skeleton from Beast Wars Part One. It was like a fully like it was like a inside the mountain. You see the whole dino, like all the bones are in place. And this yeah. with the the dinosaur skeleton is like is like just a bunch of it's just a pile of bones with a skull at the top. I don't yeah. I don't think that's yeah. There's no way they they just pulled that. I mean, <laughs> they may have. I mean, they may, they may have used some assets from it, but I just, I feel like they probably used a completely different operating system on this. Like, I mean, I guess that like, it's one thing, like, I believe that they reused Rhinox's model for the couple of times that we see Rhinox. Cause it looks kind of out of place. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and same thing with like Silverbolt and stuff. Like they kind of look, the, the look looks different than the re- than the rest of the scene, whenever you see those reused models. But in, in this case, it looks like everything else. I don't know. Well, when we get to the scene, I'm going to take a close look again. Yeah, they're <laughs> TF Wiki is full of shit. <laughs> uh, so then on to the continuity notes. 
Uh, Night Scream notes that maximal society has evolved since Optimus' crew left the planet. Notably, stasis pods, a major component of the Beast Wars, have been rendered obsolete, and DNA scanners have been directly integrated into Cybertronians. Yeah. Uh, no, no information is given about the storage or activation of new protoforms. Yeah, that that really that really makes no sense because that that implies that. I mean, the the reason that the DNA scanners are a thing, that was like a... I guess it didn't make sense in Beast Wars either. Because you're... Yeah. Scan, like, it made... In the, the explanation for the DNA scanners was in, like, the first episode. They were... They were like, how... What are we going to do? This is a... This is the only way that we can shield ourselves from the Energon. Yeah. If there... If there's no organic matter on the planet... And then they're why not, do you well, need DNA it, scanners installed? So maybe it has something to do with the ex- the fact that all those stasis pods were on an originally an exploration ship. Maybe the whole because one of, maybe it was still going along with the robots in disguise that as explorers they were supposed to basically blend in as they gathered information to lessen their impact on the things. So the DNA scanners were to basically scan forms of the native planet they were at. So not only did they have that information, but they were also able to basically move among the 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 area without mm. without rousing suspicion and basically collect more i guess more solid or more uh relevant information i maybe, guess maybe dna scan maybe this is a situation where if we you know if we if we, if we were watching DNA it in the if sense. we were watching it in the original cybertronian it would make more <laughs> sense maybe maybe there's just not an english word that directly translates because yeah maybe it's a maybe when they say dna scanner it's like in the Transformers movies where they can just scan anything and it create a, creates a secondary form to make them look like that. Yeah, mm. that's that's viable. viable. I mean, basi- basically, it could just be a scanner and it just has – and Rat Trap's just noticing that it can also be used to get organic like D- DNA and such. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, anyway, do, do Transformers have DNA? Oh, they there have is... CNA, don't they? Yeah, there is a article about it on TF Wiki. Something that is actually kind of, you know, if you have the time, I would suggest taking a look at it because it is kind of weird and interesting. The problem is CNA can either stand for uh, code nucleic acid or something like that, or cybertronic nucleic mm. acid. It's like, like it's like Shield in Marvel. Like the yeah, it stands the, for the whatever the they want could, it to. The mean the meaning could change depending on what continuity you're talking about. So like the but the it's but yeah like it's it's like there is a kind of like com, uh component to uh like r- a robotic variant of dna which is kind of weird because again because i have seen this ar- article many many times on tf wiki their reproduction is also very highly debated because there are so many different ways that they that have been either one-off used or what you would assume or are probably what would probably be more understandable Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Okay, so <laughs> when Night Scream chastises the Maximals for losing the Beast Wars, Rattrap angrily replies, You watch your mouth, Junior. I lost friends in that war. This is most likely a reference to Dinobot and to a lesser degree's Death Charge, Tigertron, and Air Razor, as well as Tigerhawk, the combined form of the latter two. Yeah. So he basically lost friends twice in that war. Or uh, or maybe ooh. maybe he thought of maybe he thought of Pterosaur as a friend. <laughs> yeah, he probably misses their card games. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the diagnostic drone suggests the transfer of Megatron Spark, in one of the monitors behind him is shown the schematics of the Grand Mall. Uh, we'll get into what the Grand Mall is another time. 
but that is that is basically. I think basically it even has like the Cybertronics for that name on it. So I guess even back then Megatron was kind of playing the head. Yeah, we can't get into. Yeah, into we, it we too can't. Much. We can't it's get really we can't, spoilery. Yeah, but look, yeah, we're it's, almost it's, it's to the point where Marv Wolfman hasn't spoiled what happens next to me. <laughs> <laughs> No more, no more uh, spoilers. I'll wa- uh, there'll probably be an episode that has a commentary on it that I watch, well, at, I like toward the end of the first season or something, and it'll have whatever that is—a grand mal seizure or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say until I saw it in in this, I didn't realize that's what it was referred to as. Like, I don't mm. remember it being called that. Yeah, so me either. That, that's either an in-show term, like that they that like you know they had while they were making the things and what they referred to it, or or was given to it later. You know, like 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 how they the they kind of argue back and forth and eventually settled on the dark side for the the thing because it was more of like fans were just suggesting it and they're like mm, that does seem like a good excuse. Yeah. Uh, anyways, Rat Trap is carrying around a seed from said tree in his toolkit. On mm-hmm. his last visit to Nice Cream's old hiding place, he was seen tucking one of the fruits away for later use. So hey, continuity, yay! Hey. Then we get a couple of magic uh, gadgets and powers. Rat Trap's face mask doubles as a radar system. Which is actually kind of neat, if you ask me. Uh, yeah, Optimus I thought that was pretty cool. Optimus Primal's chest blaster is slightly different in this episode, firing blue energy spheres. Mm-hmm. And unlike other beast mode transformers, techno organics apparently hail faster in robot mode, which I think is very interesting because it, did, it then suggests that the downside to their techno organic thing is that even in beast mode, they don't they don't heal as fast as they did when they were pure beast mode and p- pure robot like back in the beast wars that yeah. they have, which also kind of makes it also a little uh, interesting that they have, they have to be in robot form to heal faster, which is also a liability if they're in robot mode. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of a little interesting thing. Yeah. Then we got a couple of world references. When Jet Swarm ambushes the Maximals, he taunts them by staring, honey, I'm home. This is a repeating line from the 50s sitcoms. I love Lucy. Mm-hmm. Uh, when night screen, escapes he marks that out how he can't return the others because he'll leave the video hunts to, to them he laments about how he'll be alone again naturally a line from the song of the same name by gilbert o'sullivan <laughs> uh as black arachnia tangles with jet storm she paraphrases the opening stanza of the spider and the fly yes she does and uh rhinox's depiction of megatron's ra- reign invokes the imagery of certain propaganda films oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, then we've got, for trivia, we've got nice stream sonic powers are almost absurdly powerful in this episode. They can physically knock other Transformers away and blow sizable holes in solid stone. Yeah, Night Scream was uh, yeah. was pretty tough in this episode. He he. Yeah. At, the, at the end, I think that might be due to emotional stress. Right, right. No, I'm not even... I'm I mean, not, yeah. I mean, also, I mean, it's, it's a Night Scream-focused episode, which is funny because yeah, I didn't realize it was a Night scream focus. Until we started talking about it, because <laughs> I um, thought this was a Rhinox focus episode, because that's the coolest thing ever when he goes crazy in the middle there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rhinox is notably more mal- malevolent sounding and sadistic from this episode on. Yeah. Uh, and then in parentheses says, check out that sinister me when he when he's talking to the diagnostic drone. Uh, while Bob Skur's stated intent was that Rhinox had decided Megatron's cause was right after weighing up the evidence, the dialogue in these episodes make it sound like he's gotten mad and power hungry. And as I think we've talked about this before, like Bob Skur was like th- that this was supposed to be a rational reasoning by Rhinox to do this change and stuff like that. 
but yeah. I still do enjoy this reading of it that because I think it it leaves it very very ambivalent, and I think that's what kind of makes the idea a little bit interesting because maybe it is because you know something happened with his spark and he got like you know a little crazy or something, mm-hmm. or maybe he really did just think this is better. I but I got to but I got to step in and do this my way kind of thing. That's yeah. that's anyway. really interesting because I feel like the way that it's written. I mean, and maybe it's because of the performance and because of the animation, but I feel like the way that it's written, it makes a lot more sense that he's, he came to the, he came to the conclusion with some warped form of logic. Like, like it was sort of like a, I was wrong before, like we were wrong. Like obviously something is wrong because we keep repeating these wars over and over again, but at, at the same time, like like he probably wouldn't ha- unless unless there was something wrong he wouldn't side with Megatron or say you know oh the answer is the answer is to enslave everyone yeah like that's it's not really a it's not really a rational point of view i kind of look at it from the point of view that i think something he the idea of a spark being pulled from a body i'm assuming is kind of traumatic so you have to deal with that not only that, but the fact that his spark would have been sort of put into solitary confinement for who knows how long. And if it's anything similar to putting a person into solitary confinement after a certain period of time, you have a tendency that mentally you start to experience some side effects from that. Okay, so that gives me an idea for a fan theory. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what if... The Michael Bay movies are actually in continuity with um, with Beast Wars, and when uh, when Optimus pulled the spark out of Optimus Prime, it warped and corrupted the spark, and that's why Optimus <laughs> Prime is a jerk in all the Michael Bay movies. Yeah, but in the Michael Bay movies, they don't have the arc; like they don't come to come to Earth in the arc. Well, maybe because the you know butterfly flaps his wings stuff. Uh, Maybe it was before the Middle Ages that the it was at, that the Ark was uh, dis- disturbed, and so then they left and came back. Mm, we just haven't possible. seen that movie yet. Yeah, it's um, it's in the ne- next movie, um, uh, even darker moon <laughs> revenge. Uh, do we have anything else on the on the TF wiki there, Jordan? No, that was pretty much it. Okay, let's get into this episode then. Uh, starting up this episode. We open on, we're sort of panning around the Citadel, and we're we're slowly going inside. We're hearing Megatron. He's pretty upset. Uh, his diagnostic drone is, is doing some work, apparently unsuccessfully removing his beast mode once again. Uh, Megatron is really pissed off. He's, like, destroying some equipment, and he's, you know, berating the, the drone. He eventually Breaks out loses. of the harness, yeah. Yeah turns back into oh. his dragon form and shoots some fire at him. Uh, the drone sort of manages to get out of the way. Um, but then the, the drone sort of flies back in. And this is where we get some screens in the background. Um, and yeah, we see the, the grand mall, which we will, we will leave at that. We won't spoil it too much for people. Um, but the drone starts to talk about uh, how it, it's, realized that there's something with night scream apparently about how he was able to survive 
and how maybe this could be a key to removing like reverse engineering it and sort of reversing the process and thereby removing Megatron's beast mode rather than giving him a beast mode. Okay. I've got, I've got the clip here. Yep. So, uh, yeah, we'll listen to that. Need I remind you, the point of these treatments is to eliminate your beastly contamination. We could avoid this disappointment by simply transplanting your spark into a purely robotic body. Leaving my spark vulnerable? Not even for an instant. There is one other possibility. The maximal unit Night Scream. Somehow he was able to generate a beast mode on a planet devoid of organic life. I believe if we replicate that process, then reverse it, the result would be a purely machine body. Lamentably, my ongoing directive to purge you of your beast mode has prevented me from studying this anomalous creature more closely. Mm, your directive is hereby amended. Yeah. Yeah, I so that like happens. That I do like that conversation, though. Your directive is amended. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so did we, we establish? Um, did we, we establish? Does the droid? Does it have a? It doesn't have a spark, right? It just is programmed. Yeah. Yeah. As far as as far as we're aware, it does not have a spark. I do like still referring to it as guilty spark, though. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> um, the. There is one thing I noticed when Megatron turns back into his robot mode before he puts his harness back on. His head looks kind of grayish. It was kind of neat to yeah. see like a bit of an alternate color scheme there. Yeah, maybe but, he's removed some of his well, uh, organic yeah. stuff. Yeah, he, he's tried purging and it's been piecemeal. Yeah, piecemeal successful. Moderately successful, I guess you could say. Um the other thing, as we heard in the clip, is Megatron is extremely paranoid about being vulnerable. Yeah. Like, it would make the most sense to just pull his spark out of that body and stick it into another body. But he is in no way, shape, or form interested in that at this point. So, with that which being... Is, which is even... A, which also, I think, kind of either says something about his state or the state of things that actually... That he actually is hiding from everyone because at this point, until the Maximal showed up, who did he have to worry about for, before putting his spark in a uh, uh, in a robotic body? Yeah, not really anybody. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously unhinged. Yeah, I mean, he had to. Well, he had to worry. Really, I mean, in all honesty, if he had done that, Tankor probably would have pulled something. Well, yeah, yeah. before the Maximal showed up, Tankor was just like. There wasn't a tank or there were just the drones. Oh, like yeah. He oh, didn't okay. have any. He didn't yeah. have sparks in any of the drones. So, yeah, like it's implied that there was a some period of time that he had complete control of Cybertron before the Maximal showed up from the transwarp. Yeah. Well, but he was with them. Yeah. But he was kicked out, which kind of was like, oh, because he got like he like lost connect. Like he got he got a little bit ahead. Yeah. But he still yeah. hadn't dealt with them. So he's still. He still had them to worry about. They just hadn't. Like, oh, they could have so shown up. That he he just he was just uh, pre pre paranoid about them showing up. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I could see. And that. then they got away. And that. Or, and now or they, they could have shown up, and he. 
or they could have shown up and he didn't know, like he didn't know what happened to them. So they could have, they could have been there and hiding, you know, I'm, I'm not saying it's necessarily rational because he is crazy, but I mean, he's, it's not like he was, it's not like he was living in utopia and then they messed up his utopia. No, no, very far from, I'd say. So with the mention of them trying to figure out what happened with Night Scream, uh, Megatron tasks all three of the Viacon generals to go with the maintenance drone to capture Night Scream so that they can figure it out so he can get rid of his beast mode. Um, and it gives a bit of a roll call and we get a neat little scene uh, where we get like these panels that show each one, like we show Jetstorm and then Thrust and then Tankor in the middle. And Jetstorm and Thrust both say something and Tankor is oddly silent. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Megatron charges them with, you know, and Jetstorm is like, we'll do boss. And Thrust is like, we'll make sure it happens. And then the drone goes flying off after them. And then we got Tankor, who's just sort of staring at Megatron for a moment. Megatron sort of looks back at him a bit curiously and there's nothing said. And then Tankor turns around and starts wheeling away. It's like, hmm, little interesting there. So we then cut to uh, the catacombs, if you will. That's what everybody's referring to them as. Uh, and we've got Black Arachne and Cheetor who uh, s- approach Optimus as he's uh, talking to Night Scream to try and get him to remember how he managed to to get his beast form. And we've got Rattrap as well, who seems to be like working with his tail on Night Scream, like poking around in his head almost almost seems a, a bit creepy and night scream isn't overly fond of it. And this is where, where we had, you had mentioned earlier, Jordan, how they have the DNA scan. He's like, you have a built in DNA scanner now. And he's like, yeah, it was common tech now. And it's like, you know, then we get the, the bit of the exchange about the beast wars and night scream talking about how, you know, oh, yeah, well, a great getting, job there. <laughs> yeah. And Rattrap's pretty up- – mind you, I'd be pretty upset by that too if he had yeah. mouthed off like that. Um, Optimus obviously doesn't take too kindly to it but manages to sort of hold himself in check. Um, Cheetor comes to the rescue because Rattrap's got Night Scream pinned and is pretty pissed. But Cheetor manages to knock him off of him and you know tells him to cool it. And you know cooler heads prevail, I, I, I guess you could say a little bit. Optimus, you know, he, he's mentioning how, you know, they need to try and, and move on from the past. And Night Scream's sort of like, well, yeah, it's easy for you to say when, you know, you keep talking about all this stuff. He's like, that's all I want to do. I don't want to live in the past. I just want to move on. I want to, you know, live in, in the here and now and the future and get rid of Megatron. And he sort of, you know, gets in one of these moods and... You know, he he doesn't seem to want to be a team player right now, I guess you could say, is the best way of putting it. But so there's some more talk that goes on. And this is where we discover that Rattrap has that seed that he's been keeping in his back of holding. I like to refer to it as still. (laughs) Uh, He tosses it to uh, to Optimus. Uh, who looks at it and Night Scream's like, Hey, that came from my tree. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> just, 
Cheetor is, of course, a big concern given what happened the last time they dealt with the tree and the fruit on it. Uh, we get a bit of a quick flashback as to what happened in that episode with everybody sort of going primitive a bit. Um, Optimus sort of realizes with the seeds, like the Oracle told me that the seeds of the future lie buried in the past. He's like, so this seed is like, it's not the fruit. He's like, we have the seeds. We need to bring the organic back with the trees. And hopefully this seed can do it. So we then cut to the Maxwells. They're heading back to where the fr- they had found the first tree uh, in hopes that they can see about planting the seed. But as they reach the what should have been the cave, the, the cave has been blocked off somehow with debris. And, of course, uh, Rattrap's like, oh, yeah, a bit of teamwork can, can do wonders for this. And nobody seems able to budget. And then Night Scream's like, yeah, well, maybe... Maybe a bit of solo play might work instead. And so everybody backs off and he starts to shriek and starts to cause the walls to vibrate a bit. Now, while this happens, we then cut to the vehicons and the maintenance drone as he is able to detect the, the sonic frequency of Night Scream's yell and sort of locks in on their location. Uh, we cut back to the Maximals as the cavern that they're in is shaking and then we hear sort of these shots ring out in the distance and Night Scream's like, well, that wasn't me. And then we get an explosion behind them and we get Jetstorm who attacks immediately. So uh, we get a bit of a, a battle sequence as the Maxwells flee from, from Jetstorm. They manage to uh, to get into a bit more open space, but then they're, they come face-to-face with Tankor and Thrust and the Maintenance Drone. And there's a bit of a stare-down with, with Tankor at first, because you, you get a zoom-in on his face. He still hasn't said anything. He hasn't mm-hmm. said Tankor pulverized or anything like that. Yeah. He just immediately starts shooting. I think he does, in this scene, I think he does grunt a little bit. And if a you little re- bit, yeah. And if, you listen, and if you're listening for it, or if you're like, I mean, because obviously this is, this is foreshadowing that it's not going to be the regular Tankor voice. It is actually Rhinox grunting. It yeah, is not yeah. the Tankor voice voice grunting. Yeah. That was something I noticed as well. Uh, with the, the battle that ensues, I mean, the, the Maximals all transform. Uh, Optimus absorbs a couple of shots from Thrust and then shoots out his sort of disc ball things from his chest rather than the energy that he absorbed, which is a bit weird. Uh, Thrusts avoids them and then shoots out a bunch of rocks above Optimus. I think I think this is the Optimus power that I the first Optimus power that that I legitimately dislike. I I don't know. I don't like it. It just it reminds the, me the absorption or the the little discs. The shooting out the, the little discs. It reminds me of Depth Charge, and I never liked that with Depth oh, Charge. You didn't either. like the energy pizzas? No, I was not. I was, <laughs> I was thought it was dumb. Like. Even as a kid, I thought it was dumb. So I think I know that Optimus has done something similar, but like this particularly looked worse somehow. Like it looked, they all, it looked wrong. They sort of looked like shurikens or shurikens yeah. coming out of them. Yeah, yeah. It's it just I don't know. It just looked in this scene specifically. Like it looked, it looked like they had a different. Per- it was like like a lot of times in traditional animation, uh, especially like lower not as good traditional animation like there will be a scene where like just like something's the wrong color you know the hmm. the ninja turtles episode that 
that uh that I reviewed with the with the the podcast and and the they got the ethnicities of the two kids switched for one scene. There's a black kid uh, and a white kid and they and for one one scene they switched <laughs> ethnicities. Jeez. Like this this kind of I mean obviously isn't as isn't as egregious as that, but it just looks like like somebody or like in Sailor Moon, if you have a if you have an episode that was done by a different animation studio, like their yeah. attacks look slightly different or slightly wrong. And this is just like one of those situations where it's just like that's not what that should look like. Yeah. No, I agree. It did look a little weird to to say the least. Um so the the battle that ensues, we we get Optimus who's sort of knocked out of commission. He's you know, he has boulders fall on him. He transforms back into his robot or into his beast mode, rather. Uh, Black Arachnia is he, she manages to to take out Jetstorm with one of her sort of greenish web shurikens, I guess, that turns into like some sort of a holding web that surrounds Jetstorm and he falls, you know, out of the sky and down. Yeah, that that web looks so like it, it, it. It's one of those. It's they've done it a handful of times with Black Arachnia, where it just looks like something from reboot. Like it looks like they're inside yeah. of a computer, and that is just the computer, uh, whatever you, vector vector graphics or whatever. Yeah. Uh, just and it's like if you draw a line around them, they can't pass it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and that is not a criticism, by the way. Just yeah. The other thing was a criticism. That is, I actually kind of like that about that. I I like I like that. In this show, just in this show in general, and it works well with the aesthetic of the them being on a techno planet. That mm. sometimes the physics and sometimes the the visuals just look like it's in they're inside of a computer, like you know, a la a la reboot. Um, I'm just I'm totally I'm totally on board with that. Like this does not need to be a a realistic. The physics don't need to be realistic and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. it's Transformers, so of course the physics don't make mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, well, that totally makes sense. Beast machines, where the physics don't matter. <laughs> um, so we do get a bit of a face-off between Black Arachne and Thrust. She sort of calls him. I was like, "Oh, what are you going to do this time?" And you know, they square off a bit. He, she, at first sort of softens, but then she's shot at by Jetstorm, who <laughs> was like first off he managed to escape and then he's like oh i couldn't stand the the mounting tension he had or i had to break the mounting tension that sort of thing um we then turn to Tankor, who is just firing non-stop and seems to be going a bit crazy as he does it because you see his mouth sort of open and his head sort of rolls around a bit and we've got these explosions going off behind rat trap and night scream and Rat Trap is like, man, if it wasn't for for my old buddy Ryanox being in there, and then Night Scream's like, yeah, well, he's no friend of mine, so it's not like I care. That's that's nice. That's yeah, nice. Night yeah. So he he launches himself into the air to to attack. Uh, he manages to hit him with his sort of sonic emitter, I guess you could say. One on his back, not from not yeah a screen like thing. Which yeah. have we seen um, that that version of the Sonic emitter before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's used it once or twice before. Because yeah. actually, that's I mean, he must use it. He definitely uses it more in this episode than in previous ones. Yeah, I, I actually like that a lot. Yeah, 
Yeah, he he manages to hit Tankor with it. He it's sort of it's almost the equivalent of you know those sort of scenes where you see somebody punch a really tough guy and he you know you see his head getting knocked back a little bit, but then he sort of turns around and it's like it didn't really face him, sort of thing. Uh, that's similar to what we get here uh, because Tankor. You know, his head's thrown back. He turns, his body is turned a little bit, but then he sort of turns around and doesn't seem really faced at all. Uh, He starts to approach and Cheetor then flips over him and manages to sort of like drop kick him in the face when he flips over. It's very, almost a very Power Rangers-esque flip. Um, So Tankor is attaching attacking Cheetor, then Rat Trap's there and Rattrap literally jumps onto one of Tankor's arms and starts using his tail to like jab into one of his joints to try and short circuit it, I guess. Yeah, it looks like he's there's an animation where it looks like he's sawing into it too. Yeah. To 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 give a nice way of it, explain the animation. Yeah. And Cheetor is weird. Yeah. It's weird. Cheetor's on the other arm, he's using one of his swords to like try and pin down one of tank or saw blades uh nice scream approaches and he's you know sort of rearing up to to try and hit him but tank or manages to he smacks him away with the arm that rat traps on and sends them both flying and then we get a moment where tank arm sort of wheels around the one that Cheetor is on and they get a bit of a face-to-face and Cheetor growls at him and then tank launches him off and so he's got all three of them in the air, sort of in the same grouping. And then he takes aim with his shoulder cannon and shoots and apparently hits them because the next thing we see is a big flash. And then we've got both Cheetor and Rattrap who are sort of knocked out when the smoke clears. Uh, and they're back in their beast form as well. Uh, Optimus and Cheetor manage to gather themselves as well as Rattrap. And Cheetor's like, oh, everybody's still online. And Rattrap's like, hey, where's the kid and Altus calls out to him and we see uh nice cream he seems to be in like this sort of a box and it tank has got the box sort of mounted on his back as he's rolling along and we've got the the maintenance spot who you know is floating along behind and jet storm and thruster ahead sort of scouting out ahead uh, this is when we would have cut to our first commercial and then when we come back uh, the camera sort of is on the surface and pans down through the access tunnels back down into the catacombs again. Can can got... I make a quick note here? Yeah. Uh, so when I remember, so when I remember watching the the show, I do not remember the diagnostic drone so much. But no. I am I am well yeah yeah for some reason I, I I don't remember it essentially being a character, which I like it. They're doing with it now, like it yeah. is it is essentially a character. It, it has. I mean, for something that supposedly has no spark, it's definitely uh, got an agenda and something and some kind of a personality. I just l- liked it, and I was like surprised about that because I was like, I don't remember him. I think they do an interesting job of yeah, he doesn't have a spark, but he also yeah, he has a personality, and but he has less sort of he. I can understand why why Megatron would have given him this thing. It it reminds me a lot of the droids in Star Wars. Like they have yeah. a personality and they, and, and at, at the surface level, they, you know, they seem like they're just as, 
they're just as capable of, uh, of, of critical thinking and everything else as, as humans are. But if you, but if you go sort of a, a, a level, a level deeper, um, they can't, they can't understand things. They can't deviate from their programming. And that's how, yeah. and that's kind of, that's kind of how he, how yeah. he is. Yeah. There's a certain level of, I don't want to say self-awareness, um, but sort of like an acknowledgement that they're not, fully in control, I guess, or that they, they have certain limitations because of programming. I guess, I well, guess like, you could like say. The thing is, the thing is that's, that's interesting about the diagnostic droid. He, he, I don't feel like he has an agenda, but he also hmm. doesn't really have a filter. He's not like afraid of Megatron. I mean, he does call yeah. him, um, you know, uh, your, what was he call him? Your ex, your, my yeah, liege your eminence. or your eminence. Yeah. He's like eminence, please. You yeah, know, and like, I think like that's he's... also kind of a neat little thing is that, like we like we said, he doesn't have a spark or anything like that. So for all intents and purposes, the diagnostics drone te- technically is disposable. It is yeah. just a t- it is supposedly just a tool, but none of the characters treat it that much as a tool. I mean, not not all the time. There are time they have conversations with it. They act- actually bounce things off of it as an actual like character, and that's what I mean is what I liked is that that they don't treat it as just a tool to do their orders. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, in, it's, it's an interesting thing. Cause yeah. Cause it's, it's just, it's written well, I guess is the thing. Cause like a, just a, just an underling, like if it was, if it was a, if it was written as if it had a spark, if it was just, just an underling who was doing these things, you know, if that was, if that was Scorpionock that was in charge of assisting with all this stuff, like when, when Megatron, starts throwing stuff around and you know hitting destroying things and everything like there would have to be an element of fear um if that was just a random underling but because this is because this is something else because this is just a tool that doesn't deviate from its programming it it isn't afraid of megatron and it's not going to filter things it's just you know yeah, it's just saying you know this is based on all this data. This is the conclusion that I've come to. These are your options. This is what I see. You know, and then later we'll see that he gets you know reprogrammed by Rhinox and <laughs> yeah. and he's got a and you know and Rhinox tells him what to say and yeah it's it's a uh, I it's did a cool thing. and I also wanted to point out because I mean it is kind of interesting how well the the program works within its, the parameters and and directives it's given though because. Yeah. <laughs> It was about to torture uh, Night Scream, and we're just about to get to that, right? Yes. Yeah, because when we come back, we've got um, – the vehicons are, are sort of moving back towards Megatron, and the the drone realizes that apparently this box that Night Scream is in is some sort of a portable uh, CR chamber. It's supposed to be re- it's supposed to be repairing Night Scream, but he notices that it's not actually doing anything, and it's because of Night Scream's physiology. So, and that's where we find out about healing faster in robot, in form, robot right? form, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, the he opens the door in order to to go inside. Night Scream actually flies out, but then he's shot back in by Jetstorm. Uh, he then, for some reason, transforms into his robot mode, and when he does. Uh, the diagnostic drone scans him, and and that's when he realizes, oh, he heals faster when he's in robot mode for some reason. Uh, and he notices that he's got like these sort, it's like a nano transformation. I think he refers to it as or something along something similar. Um, and he wants to know the secret behind it. He's sort of 
threatening to torture Night Scream if he doesn't talk. And so the door closes and Night Scream like puts up his hand, like almost like, you know, sort of tenderly. He's like, oh, I'll tell you. And then the next thing we get is Night Scream opens his mouth and then there's this big explosion and the entire box just blows up and Night Scream flies out. And somehow this drone doesn't get like destroyed. He's he's attacked by Megatron well, and by Night Scream, and he hasn't like been blown to bits yet. For my some guess reason. is that after the first or three or four times that Megatron got mad at the drone and destroyed its body, he decided to make it a more uh, adorable one. Yeah, I suppose that would make sense. Okay, I so. thought you said he decided to make it a more adorable one. <laughs> well, well, I maybe he did. <laughs> maybe it's both. I mean, that is kind of an adorable little flying bot thing there. <laughs> but yes, no, it does make sense that it would be durable. And also, like, you know, know how to roll with the explosions and stuff to, <laughs> yeah. to minimize damage. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose. Like, go limp. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Jetstorm and Thrust are going to give chase to Night Scream. And... The the, sir, the maintenance bot is, like, you see his hand as he's like, yes, go after him and try and catch him. And meanwhile, Tankor can try and help recover like me. He, doesn't he say also remember to keep him in one piece or something to that extent? Yes. Yeah. Um, we then cut to Night Scream. He almost looks like he's surfing. <laughs> yeah. Um. One of the animation errors that was mentioned, which... Like I said, I don't always read because some of them are just, you know, very nitpicking. Mm, yeah. Is that he does a lot of flying without the his wing heels actually flapping. Yes. So it looks more like he's gliding along the ground with on his feet than yeah. or, or above the ground. See, I was I read it like for part of this it does look like he's right he's on the ground. I thought he was rollerblading. Yeah, I mean it's it's not for, for especially for <laughs> for his 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 look it's not too out of place it's just it's just uh i guess it's just like oh wait why aren't the wing you just at some point you're like oh why aren't the wings flapping yeah 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 i got the sense that he was flying it's just that yeah like like you said jordan his wings weren't flapping on his ankles and just looked a little weird especially with the positioning of his body it almost looked very similar to uh optimus in his first transmetal form when he was the flying surfing monkey. Right. Well, and you know, I mean, it would make sense if he was gliding, if he was a bird, but because he's a bat, those wings yeah. need to be moving because that's how bats yeah. fly. They don't glide. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I hope somebody got fired over that. <laughs> we, um, so Night Scream seems to be rather happy that he's on his own. He, he makes the comment, oh, yeah, flying on my own again, just like before. He's like, this is the way it should be. And he's zooming down a hallway. And we then cut to Optimus, who's apparently trying to use some sort of a spark probe to, to locate Night Scream. But he says that he can't, that he's being blocked. And so he assumes that Night Scream's in his robot mode. And he then looks to Rat Trap and Rat He's like, make it quick. And so Rattrap transforms. And this is apparently a power that Rattrap has now is he's able to use his little sort of visor that he's got on his head to be able to track down Night Scream. I, just, I other, love that the powers back, never like, cease. Like, like yeah, <laughs> every episode yeah, well, we got a new one. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I think 
yeah, like for some reason, you know, Primal's like, you know, well, I can't use my mystical powers. Time to use our technological powers. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I like, I like it. It's got, it's an element of, it's sort of an element of, I don't want to say like camp, but like, because it's not. I mean, it's not like campy, but like, uh, like an element of, it's just something that that shows up in these kinds of shows where like people have some extra power you've never they've never explained before and because it's happening so much on this show and Mm. and sort of combined with the we don't exactly know exactly how everybody got where they are like it just it creates it really does create more questions like what other powers do these people have you know but it also totally makes in another way it kind of makes sense i mean there are they are actually learning how to use their new bodies Mm. Yeah. I mean, it 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 makes sense that they would that they would be learning exactly how to do stuff, and and we don't need every single we don't need a lot a, like a bunch of exposition of like oh yes I have noticed that if I use a, this a button then it will let me track uh you know this is Viacon ta- it's similar to the Viacon's tracking it will let me track people in robot mode like we don't need that he just does it and it, you know yeah. and it's not. It's not unreasonable. It's not like he's using it to. It's not like this is a video game and he's using it to break the game. Like it doesn't come across as a. A lot of times these the new powers. The interesting thing is they don't come up as a Deus Ex Machina for mm. the most part. Like they're just sort of extra powers, extra tools that people learn for different situations. But it's not like it's not like it. It doesn't come across as lazy writing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. It does. Like it's not. It's not used to always save the day so much as just help with the story. Yeah, help move the plot along. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, like, it wasn't like if only somebody could shoot discs out of their chest, we would we would be able to win. Oh, wait, I can shoot discs out of my chest. Like, no, it's just they wanted to do extra stuff. You know, I mean, they they track they try they do track him in his robot form. With the with the visor thing and the spark probe thing, they sort of have hinted at because that's kind of how Optimus was able to find him in the first place. Is like the psychic, the psychic yeah. link to the sparks. So I mean these these two these two new powers that they bring up are not that out of character. And if they hadn't, I mean if they hadn't uh, been able to track him with the tracking thing, then they would have just looked around for him and found him. Like you know. They would just kept at it. Yeah. <laughs> and then we would cut. I mean, but they have to find him for the story, you know? So like, you know, they, they would have, they would have just had a time jump or he would have been conveniently right around the corner. That seems to happen a lot in this show. You know, mm. it's a small, it's a small world. Speaking of things just around the corner. <laughs> yep. Cause as it turns out, uh, night screen was literally like in a hallway right beside the maximals and, Rush, I was like, oh, he's like really close by. And then we come back to Night Scream as he's getting chased by both Thrust and Jetstorm. Uh, Night Scream's sort of leading them through a tunnel. Uh, Thrust almost falls into a hole, but manages to stop himself and he gives Night Scream a bit of a dirty look. Jetstorm is sort of, you know, taunting Night Scream, saying, oh, you're not the best flyer, I'm better than you sort of deal. Um, but Night Scream manages to fly into a hole to try and lose him. We then cut back to Rhino, or 
sorry, ten, well, I'll, I was going to say Rhinox, and I suppose it is apt. Uh, but we come back to, to Rhinox and the maintenance drone who's sort of lamenting him for, oh, get me out of here because he's buried under some rubble. And just as um, he makes mention that he's masking their energy signatures from the Maximals. Uh, and as he says that, uh, Rhinox manages to drop a piece of debris back on him and starts to back up into the shadows as the Maximals are moving past them. Like they're in a hallway literally right beside them and they don't even seem to notice them there. They they don't make a they don't look left or right yeah, for, rather. For a second I thought that the uh the the diagnostic drones berating was like going to give them away. Yeah. Mm. You know, like one of those gags where they walk by and like Tankor's like swine and he's like, Why aren't you helping me? And that like blew the cover kind of thing. Yeah. And so are we coming up with uh, to where Tankor talks? Yes. Okay, I've got the <laughs> So so Tankor talks and and the drone well, kind of looks at him funny and then I got the clip. Yeah, he's he's berating him to the point and then he suddenly like, you know, shout like talks back to him like hey and that surprises him because he did not expect right a it, conversation. Yeah, and he and he also recognizes he recognizes uh uh Rhinox's voice. So yes. <laughs> here's the here's the thing. Uh my phone just went to sleep. There we go. Wake up. <laughs> Were you happier when my vocabulary was limited to tank or smash? Poetic, perhaps. Yet somehow it just isn't me anymore. Not since my dormant memories were released. I'm not quite the maximal that I was. Neither am I what Megatron made me. My experiences in both camps have afforded me a greater clarity. I've grown to realize Megatron's scheme for new order is elegant in its simplicity, yet suffering from a single flaw. Megatron. Cybertron requires a leader uncontaminated by a beast mode. Someone like me. Oh my god, that's my favorite thing of anything <laughs> ever. I love that so much. Oh, yeah. he is so badass. Like that is that is the best minute of anything since the first season of Beast Wars. <laughs> like, oh man. Like that's ah. Oh, it just I don't know. I don't know if there is that oh man, that's just like oh, he's just like legitimately menacing, legitimate like the the perf- that that performance is so perfect. Yeah. I love there's so much I love that I love that he can still do the Tankor voice if he wants to. Yeah. Yeah. But because he's self-aware, you know, he he chooses to speak in his own voice. It's so great. Oh, so good. This is such a good episode. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool cuz um I mean, it certainly throws the main spot for a loop to even hear the voice. Uh, and of course, after we get that little blurb from Rhinox uh, the the drone is like, well, as nice as that sounds, I can't go against my programming. And I programmed to serve Megatron. Yeah. And then Rhinox is like, well, maybe I can fix that. And he's got like some tools in his arm that he's he's, you know, slowly, menacingly pointing towards the maintenance drone. Very. Sim- it looks yeah. very similar to when the maintenance drone was getting ready to torture uh, Night Scream. Yes. Okay. 
In yeah. fact, I believe the exact words he says, there's always a t- alternatives. Yes. Oh, man. But that just, yeah, the visual of like, yeah, it is It is uh, reminiscent of like Nazi propaganda stuff, like the giant armies and, and everything. And yeah, I mean, it's also marching armies, which stuff, also yeah. which also is is, you know, that that visual style has was used in like in like Star Wars and for these like yeah just like the menacing I I don't know it just is it's it's executed it's really well short, and, then like, and then like Dude, and then like and then like the giant the giant uh tankor over this over the flaming city of Cybertron oh yep. it's 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 great like oh man <laughs> Like just, it was just like it's just like that's you know it's visually the, it's visually it's like, impressive for you know compared with you know it's very clear that they have the technology has improved since the first season of, of Beast Wars and then like the Rhinox's performance is is just great like it's just yeah it's man I am it's like the perfect evil moment yeah yeah oh yeah yeah he's like he's and he's he's simultaneously he comes across as as menacing and scary, but also that is definitely Rhinox. Like, it's not like he's, it's not like he's like, he doesn't sound, I mean, he doesn't sound unhinged. He just sounds, yeah, he sounds, uh, you know, power hungry and, and, and scary, like, like in a way that very menacing. Yeah. In a, in a way that, that hasn't really been achieved. I mean, in, in this show, Megatron has come across so far as, the gets as as Rita Repulsa like mad about everything kind of crazy you know yes he does have a, the manipulativeness or whatever but he he's very much he feels like a like a cartoon character yeah whereas whereas Rhinox is feels like a really like a I mean still a cartoon character but but a like villain. a better car- like a villain yeah he feels like he yeah. feels like a like a legitimate you know Lex Luthor could have said that that speech or Dr. Doom could have said that speech. Yeah. Yeah. It, it has a sort of a, a gravitas to it. Like you with hearing what he's saying, you're like, Ooh, that could really lead to something. Yep. And, and then, and the fact, I mean, this is a good episode. The fact that this is a good episode. I mean, that is, is, is my favorite moment of the episode, but hmm. there are two more moments later in the episode that came kind of close. So yeah. So getting back to Night Scream is still getting chased by Jetstorm here. Uh, he actually, my apologies because I referred to Night Scream saying that talking about how he was enjoying being solo. That actually he wasn't doing that before. He does that now because he's in further deeper in the catacombs. And he's talking about how he enjoys being on his own, flying solo. And, of course, as he's saying that, he's sort of distracted and he closes his eyes. And when he opens them up, he nearly flies into a wall. Actually, technically does a little bit. He doesn't. He manages to not hurt himself. He stops just short of hurting himself. Um, but as he does crash into the wall, Thrust and Jetstorm are both uh, there and attacking and we get the most pointless action that Night Scream does. He literally he uses his hand to sort of spike his hair up to get it out of his face. And then it immediately falls back down in front of his face. Look, you guys don't have as long a hair as me. No. This is the thing that happens. 
if you have <laughs> like if you have like especially like if it's like the it can't quite go behind your ear and like night scream i think you like doesn't have ears but like if you have bangs that go down over your eyes you push them away from your you push them away from your eyes so you can see and they flop right back down that is that is a hundred percent what happens yeah oh i've got a kid in my in my martial arts class the same thing happens to him He's got like these really long bangs and he'll be constantly in the middle of a form and he's always moving his bangs out of the way and he'll just move once and it'll immediately be there again. And it's like, just cut your damn hair. Well, you know, just let it grow long enough that you can put it behind your ears or pull it or put it up or use barrettes or uh, or use a bandana or headband. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, it's, it's a thing. I mean, it's a thing. Also, it becomes a, if you, if you're like that, it becomes a nervous tick too, to like yes. push, push the hair out of the way. And then it goes right back down. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't have a problem with nice cream doing that. I do think that it demonstrates that, uh, that hair is not, uh, efficient. You know, it's a, <laughs> it's a organic, uh, corruption of his robot form. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's the kind of thing that Megatron wants to get rid of. I'm just saying Megatron maybe has some good ideas. Yeah, maybe. No more hair. (laughs) Curse those pretty biologicals. But yeah, so Thrust and and Jetstorm are attacking. Uh, Nightscream manages to to fly to avoid them. He then shoots his, uh, he uses his, his sort of sonic cannon on his back again and shoots the ground creates this really big hole and flies into it. Um, Thrust is like after him before he gets away, but then we've got the the Maxwells there who managed to cut them off. Uh, Jetstorm tells them to move, and Cheater's like, make us. So we, we get a bit of a battle again. Uh, Cheater's using his swords to block some blasts from Jetstorm. Uh, while, while he's doing that, Optus manages to run and jump into the hole that Night Scream has created. Um, Black Arachnia sort of webs up, thrusts blaster hands, and he shoots his hands to, or he, he shoots his blasters to get them off. Uh, but then he's confronted by Cheetor and Rat Trap while Black Arachnia uh, shoots a web past Jetstorm. He's like, ha, you missed. And then she tugs on it, and the rock literally smacks into him. He goes flying. He is sort of. He crashes into Thrust and skids to a stop right in front of Cheetor and Rat Trap. Oh, wait a second. He doesn't say, ha, you missed. He says, missed me, missed me. Now you got to kiss me. Yes. I was like, he, I was trying to remember what he said there. Yes, that is what he says. He says, missed me, missed me. Now you got to kiss me. Yeah. And then he was hit by the rock. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I just, I just like, I don't know. That's. I don't know if, if children still say that, but that is something that uh, children said when I was in the, you know, in the 90s. And uh, yeah. and it was it's very like it's it's one of those like phrases that I never thought of until, uh, you know, until I saw that <laughs> memories. Yeah. So um, Chiro calls to Black Arachnia because Thrust sort of skids in front of her. He's like, finish him off. And she's she hesitates and she's like Silverbolt and starts to reach for Thrust and Thrust then shoots some rocks above her. Uh as they come crashing down, 
he and Jetstorm manage to compose themselves and then go down the hole that Optimus and Night Scream have gone down. Chiro manages to rescue Black Arachnia before she's crushed. Uh, and then the rocks topple on top of the hole and block off them being able to pursue. Uh, Chiro gets a bit of a snarky line in, oh, you're not even going to thank me for saving you? And Because, uh, I mean, Black Arachne is distraught that, once again, her her love interest has flown the coop, so to speak. Wheeled away. Yep. So so this, this bit is interesting to me for two reasons. One, uh, I mean, you guys know I'm not a huge fan of the Black Arachnia Silverbolt uh, love story side thing. I mean, it's, yeah. it is what it is. It's fine. Like, it hasn't been super egregious in this. But, like, the this episode, I feel like, is, like, super awkward every time she runs into, uh, what's his name? The Thrust. Thrust. Every time she runs into Thrust, it's, like, awkward. And then somebody <laughs> shoots somebody like it's like they <laughs> well, I really hope that they deal with that soon, like that they kind of close because like right now. And then the other thing that I've noticed, uh, Cheetor clearly does not have a crush on Black Arachne anymore because yeah. or he's gotten more smooth about it or something, because if this happened in season three of Beast Wars, he would have said something awkward and creepy. Yeah. And Good then he point. would have given her like some sort of a really awkward or creepy look. Yeah, See, he's growing as an individual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nope. Yep. But uh, yeah, I, I'll. Yeah, I just I don't really, I just the, the the biggest thing. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like I didn't like uh, Optimus's uh, new power, his shuriken thing, and I and I don't like where they're at with Black Arachnia and Thrust. Like it's it's actually a, an interesting like in the last arc it, in the three parter it was interesting, but like. Now they're in this, like, we didn't, it's like they didn't have time to finish that storyline. And so they're in this, like, awkward, like, what do we do with these characters? Because Thrust isn't sure if he wants to be a good guy or a bad guy. But also he needs to, he's, we only have three bad guys, so they all have to be fighting them. Well, yeah. to be fair, uh, the whole situation is very awkward, much like the situation is for them. So I guess I can see why it's awkward. Yeah. I just I just don't feel like it's yeah I mean it's it's awkward but in the, the wrong kind of awkward way like it feels like it feels like the writers aren't sure what they're doing with that <laughs> as opposed to like like it actually feels like bad writing it's not it's not just like like they're because it would be different I I don't know it would be different if if there was just like some hesitation but it's like it happens twice in this episode where they end up. They're fighting each other and they're both like, uh, yeah. and then something happens. Like, like it just doesn't, I don't know. It didn't, didn't work for me. Mm. Yeah, I can understand that. But so we, uh, at this point here, we cut back to, to Rhinox who has finished making his, his modifications to the maintenance drone. Uh, the maintenance drone is now subservient to him and c- refers to him as his eminence. Uh, now this is where we get a bit of a a part. It's actually a little weird because uh, the drone's head is sort of bowed down a bit, and Rhinox uses one of his big fingers to sort of lift the the. I I'm saying this with quotation marks. His chin to to sort of look at him and like meet meet him in the eyes, and he talks about a strange energy signature that he needs help you know, locating that 
he's detected. Um, we don't know exactly what he's referring to, but it cuts away back to Night Scream as he falls into this cavern. And as he looks around, he sees a bat skeleton. So the assumption that I'm getting is that this is the skeleton that he scanned in order to become a bat in the first place. Mm-hmm. And we, we sort of zoom in on it a bit. We then see Optimus who, who lands behind him. Uh, and transforms back into his gorilla mode, and he he's looking at the skeleton as well. Uh, we've got Night Scream here, who uh, he he's seeming to be getting quite upset. He's like, "This is it." The, he's like, "This is what I found that that must have that I must have been able to scan in order to become a bat." And he starts getting really upset because he's like. Why couldn't I have been able to have led more people down here and save somebody? And he's really upset with Optimus. And Optimus is like, well, this is what we need in order to, this is what we needed to find in order to, you know, start bringing about the organics to start doing what we wanted. And Night Scream sort of like, no, you're not getting it. Before they can really continue on that line of conversation, they're interrupted by Jetstorm and Thrust again, who, you know, they start to attack. Night Scream is really pissed off at this. And <laughs> is, this, is this line is like, why didn't they survive too? Like they deserved it more. Like, why am I yeah. the one who survived? Right. Yeah. And Je- and Jetstorm is like, I don't know, kid, but I can fix that. Yeah. And that really sets him off. And we then get Optimus who immediately covers his ears and Night Scream uses his his sonic cannon again. And re- like he he doesn't just do like a single blast. It's like a continuous blast that's sending them back into into a wall. Uh, it's causing the entire cavern to shake. And there's a, a rock that's starting to sort of glow and crack. Uh, Optimus tells him to to stop before he brings the whole cavern down on them and kills them, which I thought was kind of weird because you don't really hear them say kill that often in, in a show mm-hmm. like this. Um, but so Night Scream manages to pierce the rock. Deathstorm and Thrust, I guess, are sort of thrown mm-hmm. away. They, you know, we don't see them for the rest of the scene. And Pat in he with the rock getting broken, we then see another cavern and there's a lot more bones in this cavern we see sort of like it seems very reminiscent of dinosaur bones uh, yeah and, like, and, and you're right Kendall that's I mean I can see where like they use the original as maybe as a hint of what they throw in there yeah but it doesn't really look like what it was in this, it doesn't look like exactly yeah, like it's not re- I mean they're not reusing those assets, assets. there's no way no. Um, so I've got the uh, I've got the the this this scene here uh where uh, he says, uh, do you know what this means? And Optimus says, it means there was organic life. And then Night, Night Scream gets mad again. Uh, and he yep. does this. I think I think this is this is the other moment that like if it wasn't for the awesome Rhinox stuff like this would be this would be like the moment that that really stuck out. I feel like I feel like Night Scream's performance uh, is is on par with uh, with the other performances here. I, it's 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 great. Like this is. I'm not a huge Night Scream fan. I mean, he's oh. Michael Jackson, and I don't like Michael Jackson. So, <laughs> but uh, but I really I really like this moment. Yeah, this is the moment I think turned me around. Cybertron once supported natural organic life. No, it means thousands of Transformers could have escaped Megatron's virus if only. If only. What night? 
that's great. If only what? Uh, if only I was thinking about the others instead of just myself. I, I didn't think about them at all. How many others could I have saved? I know. I feel this world's pain every day and blame myself for losing the Beast Wars. But I also believe we survive for a reason. We will heal this wounded planet for our fellow Sparks when they return. It's a great speech. And they will return. The seats of the future lie buried in the past. fuck yeah that's awesome <laughs> like like oh how did you get that both of those mo- like those are moments that do not come up that often on this sh- on this show like that really i mean sometimes they they strive for it but i just feel like they've they've achieved it with this with this episode oh man because mm. like whoever's directing it or something like just the acting is just on point yeah does anyone else kind of feel weird that the uh that the prophet, the prophecy, the oracle gave, was it was one another prophecy? Is like, aha! You have to take it somewhat literally. <laughs> Get it? It's a seed, and this is a seed. seed. Yeah, and it has to be buried <laughs> in a bunch of stuff, a bunch of old bones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's. Yeah, because uh, literally what like, we get with that scene is Optimus tosses the seed, and it lands in the ground right by these bones. Because it's like all that's always how it is. It's like it's like they say this thing about like a vague prophecy. It's like, well, it's really vague, so it has to have some kind of meaning that we'll figure out eventually. And then they see something, and it's like, and it's like one part of it was literally what it was supposed to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's it is. It's especially since it's like the seed of the future and it's literally a seed is it's but i'm okay with that like it's i don't know it's just the way that it's executed is really good i well i mean i guess it's true because sometimes when prophecies are specific they make no sense like what was it in uh brightest brightest day where like one of the rings told captain boomerang catch the boomerang like that (laughs) that that was his future message (laughs) so we we cut from Optimus and Night Scream uh, back to the Citadel, and we're sort of getting a, a view from the floor, looking up to the the platform that Megatron's normally on. And there's an explosion. We see some debris fly off the platform. Megatron's pissed off again. He's like, "Uh, it didn't work." He's like, "You failed me again." And the maintenance drone's a little bit snarkier than what we normally see, uh, and he. He, he he's talking about how Megatron's beast form. He's like, it should have worked. He's like, maybe the reason it didn't work isn't that the technique was wrong, but maybe subconsciously you want to keep your beast form. I like and, that. And Megatron narrows his eyes and he's like, be gone. Yeah. And, Cause it's, it's, it's the perfect thing to, to like see doubt in Megatron, yeah. in Megatron's, uh, you know, in Megatron's thoughts in, in his in his extremism, that obviously, I mean, obviously, that's what Rhinox told him to say. It's just ah, oh, it's just perfect. Yep. So as the the drone is leaving, the the large door to the Citadel closes, and the the drone's got like this sort of video communication device, 
and he radios to the tank or who and explains that his plan, you know, the plan went through. He said what he was going to say to Megatron as per the plan. And Rhinox is, you know, he's pleased and says that he's also been successful. He was able and thanks to his help, he was able to locate the energy source that he was looking for. And as it turns out, as we cut to, to Rhinox, he is standing in front of the Oracle and talks about how the legends were true and that he has found the Oracle. And it's flashing like different images of like sparks and calculations and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. It's and, like it's kind of like a giant. It looks kind of like a giant spark, but then it has, yeah, like different different things that you see in that yeah. within it. Uh I've got the, I, this is the one last, the last, obviously the last clip uh, here. Yeah. Cause, cause, uh, cause you know what? Rhinox is awesome. And, uh, he's awesome. <laughs> and we need more well. Rhinox. Yeah. I need to time this out better. Cause my phone keeps falling asleep while I'm introducing the clip. <laughs> Megatron's latest organic purge failed. Per your instructions. Innocent. Incidentally, your information on that mysterious energy signature was accurate. The legends are true. The Oracle exists, and thus will serve as the key to the downfall of both Optimus and Megatron. Oh yeah, it's like oh man, it's great. It has that. It's just this. This is that that ominousness, mm-hmm. and oh yeah, he's just. It's so. It's just so interesting how that voice, you know that that specific voice of the of the character of Rhinox lends itself to being the sort of aloof tech guy that he was in Beast Wars, but then also like the uh, Megatron esque manipulative evil ominous guy like he's out megatroning megatron at this point like yeah. that's i mean cuz that's the megatron voice in beast wars you know that was who that was who he was he was the he was the calm cold you, you know mastermind villain and now rhinox is in that role oh it's just so great <laughs> like i i do not understand how anybody could possibly like knee jerk be anti this portrayal of rhinox because it's so cool well that's pretty much the episode. So, I mean, Kendall, we pretty much know what your thoughts are on it. Yeah, yeah I, it's I want, the it's the best episode of Beast Machine so far. And I was gonna say, yeah, like I really did enjoy it. There's there's those great lines, and yeah. we get the and as I said, like I I didn't remember it, but seeing all, a bunch of uh, the uh, diagnostic drone was really nice. Basically, being become a character. Yeah. Um. And like I like I said, uh, in the when I when I made the question post and stuff like this, and we kind of talked about it off air. This might be an episode that made or break Night Scream for people. But yeah. the end, where he, you know, just that that moment where he's like, he could have saved them if he wasn't thinking about himself. You know, like he's blaming himself in there like that. At least you know that that gives a reason for it. Yeah. You know, like it's not just an act. It's not just because he's mm-hmm. a teenager. He there's legitimate you know, things to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He definitely, it definitely added a layer to his character. Whereas, cause like the advantage that all the other characters have, you know, good, bad or indifferent. They had, 
the Beast Wars to yeah. establish them as characters, and they can kind of use some of it and you and not use other portions of their characters if they want to. But at least there's like there's that assumption that you know you know they they know what they know what to do with these characters because they're they're old established characters. With Night Scream being a being a brand new character, uh, I think that it has create they had some challenges in his early episodes, but this, yeah. this episode definitely, they kind of figured out how to make him, how to, how to make him what he is. And, and, uh, and, and especially that, that final scene with him was just terrific. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the same thing. It, it certainly turned me around a bit on the character, especially at the end of the episode. Um, the start was a bit rough just cause I hate bratty characters, but at the end, it, it it really paid off quite a bit. Yeah, I just I I don't even I don't feel like he was as bad in this episode. Even at the beginning, like I didn't particularly notice him being overly bratty. Like like in you know in other episodes, I think I think even like I don't remember specifically what it was, but somewhere in that three parter, he was he he got pretty obnoxious at times. But mm-hmm. I mean, everybody all all the characters get get obnoxious at times. They they can all kind of. Unfortunately, the way that this show has gone, I, I, I kind of at the beginning, it looked like it wasn't going to be like this. But I mean, they do argue amongst themselves, you know, in in all the in all the scenes. There's some, you know, they're all antagonizing each other uh, because they're in a difficult situation. But at at the same time, I mean, like even the yeah, I mean, I guess even the scene that like, you know, we lost friends in the Beast Wars. I didn't think he was being. I felt like he was being insensitive, but I didn't necessarily think he was being annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. So, with that being said, uh, I think we had. I know we've got a news post, and I think we had a few questions. Yep. So, uh, Jordan, did you want me to read the news post? If you'd like that, that way I can read the questions, and we could go sure. on that. All right. So. As always, the uh, the news post is provided to us by uh, Casey or Lady K. Hirsch on Twitter. Uh, this week, she, she says, Hey there, Beasties. There's been a surprising amount of news despite how recently we last recorded. Rhinox continues to climb up the techno-fascist ladder after getting red-pilled by Megatron last week. This demonstrates a common problem encountered by modern neo-Nazi groups, which is infighting due to attempted power grabs. Wow, that got political really fast. <laughs> Uh, just, to be, about- just to just to make it clear, though, just because I like uh, Rhinox in this form does not mean that I am pro Nazi. No, uh, and no. just because and just because sometimes the the way that that I mean he is a villain. I like it because yeah. he's a scary it's, villain. It's because it's a well portrayed villain. Yeah, and it's done and it's yeah. done well in that you know it. Yeah, it anyway. makes sense. <laughs> I'm not pro Nazi. Um, no. Nope, none of us are. <laughs> yeah, screw Nazis. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I just you know, I know that is a, a rather don't controversial Nazis. opinion. Nazis don't need to be screwed. Well, more like like don't don't give in to them. I guess. It's yeah. Not... There was in the 2004 election, there was a group that was offering to have sex with any Republican who would abstain from voting. I remember reading a Rolling Stone yeah, article. I think about I remember that. hearing something about that. Mm. Anyway, we're getting way off topic here. <laughs> um, but but enough about the prevalence of fascism in sci-fi. Let's see what the news fairy has brought us this week. 
Let's start off this week with everyone's favorite segment within a segment, the Visionary Victual. Uh, via Previews World, we have our first look at the RI cover for issue four of Transformers vs. Visionaries, featuring Wheeljack and Galadriel. Yay, um, Wheeljack. Yeah, it was kind of cool to see Wheeljack there, and the, the picture looks pretty good, I think. Um, and I like the, the expression that we've got, like the... The sort of emotion that we have with Wheeljack's face here, yeah. too. It's pretty cool. Looks like he's very contemplative. Yeah. I don't know, though. His face looks smaller, but I think that's because, like, you know how Wheeljack has... I, Kendall, you probably don't re- realize, but the way his head is usually designed, those, like, large triangular air flap things on it in the picture mm-hmm. are usually about the same size as his head sometimes, or, like, the sides of his, sides of his head. So yeah. the, they look a little weird when they're a little smaller, but that's probably just because it's... You can't, I can't see his entire body because yeah. that always did offset it. Like, especially because he was like a Lamborghini, wasn't he? Or mm, no, he wasn't. Or a some, he was some. He was some. He was some kind of sports car, though, right? Yeah, he was like a uh, almost like a type of rally car. Yeah, but yeah. just the the coloring and and the because of the way the doors stuck out, yeah. kind of seemed to offset it and. And then, like I said, I might just be misremembering from my from things from the past, but that's just what's hitting me right now. So, yeah. what's a visionaries? Uh, I think we talked about this once before, but understandably, it was always during news, so you might I not probably wasn't it. paying yeah. attention. Yeah, yeah. Uh, visionaries are was also a properties that was around during uh, the eighties and nineties, and they basically were just they were they were basically GI Joe with holograms. Yeah, that, that's and it was more of a it was more of a fantasy setting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think that sounds, that kind of sounds familiar. I mean, and yeah, that might've been brought up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so Casey goes on to, to say, uh, in addition, it has also been reported that the first issue of Transformers versus Visionaries is sold out at the distributor distributor level. And then a second printing of it has been ordered. The second run will be released the same day as issue two on January 31st. So, Better hurry to your local comic store. Now, let's shift focus from comics to movies, the Bumblebee movie to be specific. Thanks to a toy listing from Simba Smobby, who, manufa- yeah, who manufacture and distribute licensed die-cast vehicles and RC cars based on the Transformers franchise in Europe, we now know that Bumblebee isn't the only returning Transformer from previous movies who will be returning in this prequel. A list of what they'll be showing off at the London and Nuremberg toy fairs includes a listing for a 118th scale giant robot warrior barricade. This seems to indicate that the poster child for ACAB is going to be one of the four Cybertronians in the movie, most likely the black Mustang spotted on set. Speaking of the of movie toys and toy fairs, let's travel a bit farther east to the currently running Hong Kong toy fair. Hasbro has announced that it will be holding a special meeting tomorrow, Tuesday the 9th. Uh, so that'll be like three days earlier than when you'll be hearing this recording, uh, where they will officially unveil MPM-5 Barricade and MPM-6, who, as we talked about last week, will apparently be Ironhide. Conference will take place at 5 p.m. Hong Kong time or 4 a.m. Eastern time. Casey goes on to say, I'm sure you all plan to be up then to see this exciting reveal, right? It's a little under four hours or five hours for me. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to be in bed. (laughs) So before we finish up, 
Casey says that she wanted to address the uh, POTP Megatron that we saw last week. The image in question was either a customized or digibashed version of POTP Grimlock figure. There is, sadly, no known upcoming Beast upcoming Beast War Megatron figures. But yeah, the reason for its blockiness is because it's straight up a G1-style Grimlock with a different paint job and head. That being said, she's got her fingers crossed for them to do an actual retool of the figure into Megatron and hopes they'll announce one. So I this... Do too. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Um, she she leaves us... She has says, I have... Just one question this week. If Megatron were to get a combiner toy, what Predacons would you want to be his limbs? She finishes off saying, all right, that's all for this news post. Hope you all have a wonderful week. Also, hope none of you are as whiny as Starch as Night Scream. He, he wasn't too bad. I mean, there's, there's, a there's, a whiny, ca- but. there's a caption in, in the TF wiki for this episode where... Night screams in front of the skeleton, and underneath it, shed, it says, "My parents are dead." <laughs> um, so, so if Megatron was to get a combiner toy, um, I know immediately I who I want. I I just want the original Predacons. Yeah, yeah. but I definitely I definitely want Waspinator because oh that, yeah, that would just be hilarious. And Scorponok would have to be his right hand. <laughs> See, I think, um, I think it, it. I would like to see Dinobot and Pterosaur. Okay. Um, have him have his be have his and have him be his. I don't know how or well, no. Do combiners just turn it combine to be the robot or no? They yeah. they they can transform on their own too. It it honestly yeah. depends on how detailed it is, but usually of like average size ones. The robot toy itself can transform, and then there's like a mid form you can make to tra- to combine it with the others for the giant robot. Okay, yeah. so this is what here's what I would want it to be. Uh, it would be it would be able to combine and do everything. So it would combine to form the Megatron Dragon because like uh, Pterosaur's wings would be the dragon wings. Oh, yeah, uh, that'd be kind of cool. But then it also would have a a combined robot form. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that'd be neat. So, uh, I think some combined robots in in comics have done that, mm-hmm. where like the combined things have also been able to transform. So it's basically like they just formed a bigger robot, yeah, or bigger transformer robot, and they would be sold separately at a seven dollar ninety nine cent price point. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, but I just would love Waspinator being there because I just can imagine him always grumbling about being one of the legs. Yeah, yeah, but it would also be cool if it was all six original Predacons. Yeah, that combined. Yeah. Uh, but that would be a lot. They would also have to be sold separately at a seven ninety nine price point. <laughs> oh, that's the whole point of combiners. It's, oh yeah, it's a giant cash cow. Yeah. So, what else do we have for questions, there, Jordan? So we have a couple of questions. Um, so we we got a couple from Gwen back at work uh, at Witsararo on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, they asked directly. They asked, "What what is a character you all loved until a certain character development, and then never stand? What did they do to jump the, sh- the Sharkicon?" And I remember saying this off air a little bit. It's it's hard for me to actually remember that because even if I might not like certain turns a character does, mm-hmm. unless the the sudden turn, the so called jump jump comes very early, and thus I've not come like you know like 
become liking uh, like I turn to liking the character, yeah. I probably won't turn on them. Uh, I but then again, I'm also one of those you know very kind of laid back people where like, well, that's just how things go, you know. So sometimes yeah. different directions by different people, blah blah blah, and all that. So it's kind of hard for me to really just turn on anything yeah. without a lot of thinking involved. There, there is one character I I can think of, but Kendall, did you have one? Uh, well, I've got I've got a few that come to mind. I remember, uh, well, so so Buffy. Um, I mean, I always liked Spike and Buffy all the way through the end. Uh, but I definitely liked him better when he was a bad guy. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's sort of a like across the board when you have a bad guy that turns into a good guy. Usually, I like them better when they're when they're initially a bad guy. Also, Angel and Buffy. Um, I really liked him when he was in Jealous, and I was not as big of a fan of him later. I'm just trying to think. Uh, like Bucky and uh, you know Winter Soldier. Um, I really liked him when he was Captain America, and then when he gave back the shield, I sort of it, it, I still liked him as a character, but he kind of became less interesting after he stopped being Captain America. Yeah, it was almost like a step back in a sense. Yeah. Well, people don't want anyone else but Cap- but uh, Steve Rogers as Captain America, right? Yeah, right. Heaven forbid. Well, and and I always Which... I always use that I always use that as an example. Like he was he was Captain America for twenty five issues, and there was some time you know it, before or before that, and that he was being you know built up to that. So I mean, that story is still a good story, and it stands on its own. And obviously, things are going to go back to the status quo. Uh, but I also just like sort of. I felt like after that, especially after Ed Brubaker stopped writing the character, um, he became a little less, he became a little more generic. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. You know, I'm, I'm something in the back of my mind is making me remember a bad guy did a heel turn to good. I remember like it didn't feel good and it was better when they were a bad guy, but I cannot remember the specifics. So... Do not be surprised if, like, next episode or something, I'll just, like, suddenly shout that out at everyone. <laughs> um, as far as for me, my answer, it's, it's not so much a turn from, like, bad to good or good to bad, but um, the character of Hot Rod, when he became Rodimus Prime, it I really was not overly keen on the way they portrayed Rodimus Prime. And it sort of continued even now with, like, the Titans return series is he's got a lot of self doubt, which makes me wonder like if like the matrix is sort of like empowered to choose a new leader and it did so with hot rod, but, but he's still got like these really big self-confidence issues. And it was just a very big turnoff for me watching it as a kid. And even now as an adult, when I, at times when I've gone back and rewatched the series, it, it really is off putting to see this, you know, this leader that is filled with so much self-doubt um, in such a prominent role, like sort of, you know, I don't know. It, it just felt really weird to me. It, it did really, it didn't resonate well with me, I think. But, other yeah. other characters that come to mind. Uh, so Green Lantern, it's not actually a change. It's the fact that if they didn't change, uh, but... I really enjoyed uh, Blackest Night and the War of Light and all the Rainbow of Lanterns. But mm-hmm. once they established that as there's all the different colored lanterns in Green Lantern, 
it became for a long time it became they just have to fight amongst each other we can't have any other villains and if we do have another villain then it's because they're a red lantern or because they're a, a yellow lantern um yeah and and that it became repetitive and i dropped off of green lantern because of that yeah. um, well, i can understand I, that i i i uh, i i i I felt like I never quite recovered from Glee after they revealed that Finn's girlfriend was pregnant. Um, but that was like yeah. the third episode. So mm-hmm. just, uh, also somehow related. I, I found that with the Punisher, I will, if, if, if somebody's writing the Punisher and he does something that I don't think the Punisher would do, I will immediately turn on that run. Like I'm not like, I'll, I'll try Punisher again, but like, like in this, uh, like the Netflix series, he did a few things that didn't make sense for Frank Castle to do, mm-hmm. and I was just like, I couldn't enjoy it anymore. And it, which is well, weird because I'm not that big of a Punisher fan, but I'm very opinionated about him. Hmm. So, hmm. like, okay. made me mad, and made me mad. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, what's so the that's next it for that one? Yep. And then Quinn also asked us uh, because of. Um, my mentioning of reading light novels with cat girls on it in my question when i like retweeted the question post when do cat girls show up in beast machines and then gave us the wonderful picture of a kit bashed uh like oh yeah the beginning or with or cheetor with, with the... several's head on it yeah from king and momo friends yeah well i hate to disappoint you gwen but yeah yeah i don't think you're gonna be seeing any cat girls anytime soon I did respond with "Aren't Spider Girls enough for now?" <laughs> but they're they're but they feel like they were they said they are, seem to be missing some things and then posted another a do, uh, Dojin cover of uh, from Be- for Beast Machines. I don't know about Beast Machines, but or the, Beast Wars the the uh, the anime Cat Planet Cuties. I stumbled <laughs> on in Funimation. If you like cat girls and softcore porn. <laughs> you can check that out. Yay, anime! Oh my! If you just like cats, though, I've been watching the Meow Meow Japan Japanese history things, which is just silly, and oh. it's just like snippets of history of Japan as portrayed by cats. I mean, Cat Planet Cuties like is just like a silly like like kind of these uh, cat aliens aliens come to Earth and they are all sexy cat ladies, um, but. It's one of those animes that in the second episode, all the women are naked for uh, for no reason in a in a scene, you know, oh my. like like not. I mean, not like I don't know, you know, if you're, I, it's 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 high, it's high on fan service. Is what yeah, you mean. yeah, yeah. With, with no with no explicable reason. Yeah. Like I, they don't they don't give very good reasons for why right, it's doing right. that. Yeah. I can't remember. It was like, yeah, like they were like running down the street naked because they're all living with this guy. Yeah, I don't know. My uh, my sister in law, we were just watching random anime, and my sister in law is like, "Ooh, Cat Planet Cuties! I like cats." And we started <laughs> watching it. Fortunately, there was no softcore porn in the first episode. She went to bed after the first episode, and I watched the next couple. And yeah, it it took a turn. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. But you next know, to each question. his own. No judging. What? <laughs> next question. All right, so. Also from Twitter, we have Fudge, Age of the Geek, baby. Damn it, Hardison. Cassidy, the damn it's my take, by the way, uh, because I watch Leverage. 
Uh, but anyways, Fudge, Age of the Geek BB Cassidy asked us, oh, at, at what is cosplay on Twitter, asked us, what is your most hated annoying, in quotation marks, character? Which BC would win a, a season of Survivor? <laughs> so I think it really would be hard to figure out who would win a season of Survivor, because just on alone with their beast modes and stuff like that, they're kind of just built to survive. Yeah. Um, If you threw in, like, challenges and stuff like that, I'm going to have to say it depends on how the teams go for the first couple of things, like who align with who. And mind you, this is me just basing off what I remember from Total Drama Island and no through cultural, cultural osmosis about the Survivor series and not how they actually work. So <laughs> I might have some things wrong there. But I mean, if they just did like a Predacons versus Maximals, I think it would be a little rough going for both of the teams. But the Maximals would inch ahead because, you know, they're better at teamwork. Yeah. Uh, when it comes down to like you know the last final couple of people, and they uh, usually at that time when I if they dissolve teams and everyone's out for themselves, it really depends. I go with Rat Trap to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I think he can no, make Rat, it all the way to the end. Rat Trap gets voted get, off early. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. If they didn't get vote him off for whatever reason, or or like disqualify him somehow, because that can happen in these games. Oh, he, I he think he would have found like immunity. Well. He, you know, so here's here's the thing. Okay, so yeah, here's how I see it coming out. I think in the early in the early days, uh, yeah, maximals tend to to win more of the challenges, so the predacons get pretty whittled down, pretty whittled down. Also, there there aren't. I mean, unless unless Dinobot was playing on the pred on the predacons team, uh, like they're none of the predacons are gonna outlast the the uh. Are the maximals like vote wise once they merge once if they merge uh just mm-hmm. because like they're at war with each other and hate each other so the maximals are gonna vote for they're gonna every maximal is gonna they they sort of have an alliance even if it breaks down but no i think i think cheetor and rat trap get get like they're the two that that are like most antagonizing so they get they get out i mean maybe maybe yeah, maybe actually, dinobot yeah. But I think it's I think Optimus and Rhinox are the two. It would be down to Ooh. Optimus and Rhinox, uh, just because Optimus being the the most you know the most capable, the most powerful, whatever, and then Rhinox being the sleeper because that's what you gotta wa- you always gotta watch the sleepers. Yeah. yeah. And I was gonna say I like what you said about uh, Rat Trap and Cheetor Dream because because not just just there's being the most annoying or anything like that, but but Cheetor especially. Uh, beginning of Beast Wars, uh, he's kind of naive, and that 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 is always a bad thing in these kinds of shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Cheetor gets Cheetor gets. Uh, he would get stabbed in the yeah, back. Yeah, he gets stabbed in the back. He he he's in an alliance, and then they turn on him. Yeah. What was the other question? Oh. Wasn't there? Another oh, question? Uh, just the, the first part of the question was, "What is your most hated, uh, in quotation marks, annoying character?" So I guess it's kind of like the opposite of the uh, other thing, where like someone did become annoying or is uh, annoying just off the bat, but you still like them. Um, I'm gonna go with the Miz from like current WWE programming. I like the char- I absolutely despise the character, which I guess is like what they're going for. But oh my god, I, I just want to punch him in the face. I you know, I'm not sure. Okay, this is kind of weird because like outside of the trilogy, trilogy or the original trilogy. Yeah, the actor for uh, Jar Jar Banks is actually really cool. Like, I really liked him. Ahmed like, Best, I see, yeah. Yes, Ahmed Best is really great. And I've seen him do Jar Jar Banks and other things, and it's always been hilarious. Like, it's like, it's weird. Like, outside those first three movies, 
and you know the stuff that he's done is like you know like Jen you know like I'm it's I enjoy like I don't hate it's like I don't understand like I don't get the kind of like uh I guess gut reaction that he started to to invoke in people for some reason uh so I don't know if that counts because it's not like I don't think people hate him with a passion as much as they did I just but I don't know and it's more of me like liking Ahmed best than, than the character Dredger Binks. Mm-hmm. I hate Chibiusa from uh, Sailor Moon. <laughs> yeah, she's a bit annoying. Yeah, she's the most. I mean, she gets a little bit in in later seasons. She gets a little bit better, but especially in season two, she's just she's just irredeemable. I'll well, see. I thought it meant most hated by like which most annoying character you hate is. Which character you like that's annoying that is the most hated out of all, all of the ones you like? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hate, love, love to hate. The- <laughs> yeah. uh, um, you know what? I, I was going to say, uh, Lucille Bluth is a, is a very, uh, you know, person that you love to hate kind of thing to me. I'm not yeah. sure if she counts as annoying, but just uh, it's either her or or technically her. Her again in uh in Archer as Mallory Archer. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Um, I think we had a we question have one, on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, we had one we? more question on Facebook. Yep. And it's from Ryan Butson, and he asked, "Why has it never come up before that Night Scream has to be in robot mode to heal? This seems odd considering how often they are in beast mode for hiding." I think this episode actually is the is purposely explaining that now that they're techno organic, like not not. Uh, not beast mode and, and robot mode mm-hmm. that they have a different way of healing and it is faster in in beast mode or in robot mode which yeah. also means that it is now a liability like they can heal faster and beast mode still heals but it uh but being in robot mode obviously is a big big liability for them yeah yeah that also may explain why uh optimus took so long to recover yeah, because yes. he had to remain in beast mode to heal. Yeah, and, and you know, and you know what? They might, as we've said before, they're still learning a lot about their their bodies and their abilities and stuff. They might have not realized that they heal faster in robot mode because they've been hiding in beast mode a lot. Yeah, that's certainly and possible. Like, and they said that the robot mode is they heal faster. It's not that they don't heal in beast mode. So maybe yeah. they haven't actually had a chance to compare the two. Yeah, and they haven't had a CR chamber. So yeah. Yeah, I mean the the fact that the CR chamber can't repair them in in beast form wasn't wasn't ap- applicable until now. Yeah. Yeah. So like the fact that it never came up before is probably just more of that. It just wasn't organically ever pointed out until now. Yeah. And uh, there could and there could be a number of reasons why that is possible. Though I do admit that it is odd that it does change from the normal convert thing. But then again. It might just because now they're much, much more a melding of techno-organic in both forms as opposed to, uh, you know, the beast mode being mostly organic over the robot shell and then their Cybertronian robot mode. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that was all the questions. Okay. Yeah, it looks like it. So, uh, Jordan, did you have anything you wanted to uh, to promote this week? Uh, let's see. Just the usual cast of uh, characters I promote. Uh Game Apartment 1C is still going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darren Husted is has has moved on to the next uh, Prince album, so there's been a couple of new of those. Jesse Cooper started up Alphabet Flight again. Um, I don't know if there's anything else, though. Uh, 
maybe check out a monster in Paris on Netflix. Cool. <laughs> Kendall, how about you? Okay, you can find everything I do at Kendallcast.ninja. Um right now the most recent podcast uh on the Kendallcast podcast feed is uh our my Star Wars Roundtable uh Last Jedi review. Um that was pretty good. Um, yeah, also, I actually just listened to that. That was nice. Oh, I gotta listen to it because I'm curious to hear what you guys had to say about it. Yeah, I thought it. Yeah, it was. It was. It was really. Yeah, like I think I said last week. Like I was three of the people that I know that are the biggest Star Wars fans and most knowledgeable Star Wars fans. Uh, really had some uh, some good things to say uh, and some interesting things to say and criticisms and blah blah blah. But uh, <laughs> but also uh, hopefully by the time this episode goes up, there will be more episodes of. Uh, that's what we called music available. Um, I kind of, uh, fell behind on editing and I'm catching back up on that. Uh, and, uh, if you haven't, if you haven't checked out, uh, kendallhallman.bandcamp.com, uh, that's where all my music is that I post and you should, uh, listen to some of that. There's a bunch of music on there now because it's from, Mm -hmm. it's got all, it's got a bunch of stuff on it. Nothing. I haven't dropped anything like super new, but, uh. But yeah, there's yeah, you you guys should if you like the if you like the theme song of Warren Beast, you can listen to it there and also a bunch of other stuff. I think I got a couple of albums, a couple of EPs on there, so. Cool. Well, um I don't have too much to plug myself. I mean, fortunately I've got a bit of a cold so my voice is starting to go. Uh but if you like hearing us, check us out on audioentropy.com. We've got this podcast and teenagers attitude and a bunch of other ones. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm Greg C M U N. Um, one final thing, this episode, uh, if you're listening to it came out on Saturday, we've actually got a bit of a schedule change. It's going to be coming up after this episode. So after this, uh, the next episode that you'll get will be the following month. Well, it won't be the direct Monday. It'll be, the Monday after the next Monday when you listen to this. Uh, so we're just changing up things a little bit. The scheduling is going to change. It'll be Monday so, the 22nd. So this yes. episode will come out on the 13th. The next episode will be on the 22nd. Yes. Okay. And so instead of maximizing your weekends, we'll be maximizing your Mondays from then on. Um, it's just a bit of a shift. Nothing. will be. Like I am transforming your Mondays. Yes, exactly. I still uh, like maximizing Mondays. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, it's just a bit of a schedule change. Uh, nothing to worry about. Just Or maybe it, it could a- be mon- your Mondays are transformed. Ooh. <laughs> I like that. Yep. But yeah, so just wanted to give you guys a bit of a heads up. Uh, we'll be purging all, all organic matter from your Mondays. <laughs> For for anybody who is listening at PAX South, uh, we hope that you got a chance to go to the Let's Place panel that was on Friday night. Uh, hope it was great. I know Luke and everybody who's planning on attending is really looking forward to it and maybe getting a little bit nervous, but I, I'm sure it's going to go awesome for them. And I wish them the best of luck. Uh, anytime you guys have any questions or any comments, feel free to hit us up on Twitter. You can find the podcast at Warren Beast. Uh, podcast. Uh, if you're on Facebook, uh, you can go to facebook.com slash group slash war and beast podcast. Uh, and if you're old school and use email, you can email us. We've got a Gmail account. It's war and beast podcast at gmail.com. 
So, yeah, been another week, another episode down. Uh, so, for Warren Beast, I have been Greg. I've been Jordan. And I'm Kendall. Let's roll, folks. So, honestly, the, uh, basically, the, the revamped giant ATAT walkers with the thick legs makes me think that they realize hey, wait, people could tie up the legs. Let's do something about that. <laughs> <laughs>